This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is desert varnish. Welcome, everyone, to Writers Not Writing. Today's guest is Nancy Ballard, uh, a retired emergency manager with a previous life in natural resources management. After years of environmental assessment and operations manuals, she now writes poetry, sci-fi cowboy series, and other fun stuff. She gardens haphazardly, enjoys exploring parks, wildlife, re wildlife refuges, and museums with her husband, and supports her fellow writers as a volunteer with Willamette Writers. Her Under Caracos Moon series includes Distant Trails, Deep Canyons, and Tricky Ground, which I believe will be available the day this launches. So uh, if you can pre-order Tricky Ground, uh, you know, do so immediately. Uh, but you might uh, already be uh, seeing the, the book itself uh, the, the day this appears. Uh, welcome, Nan. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So as you know, the first thing we do is tell our podcast viewers about what we're wearing. Folks watching on YouTube can, of course, see the costumes that we've got on, but we need to make sure that we convey those to the folks who are listening. So what is it you've chosen to wear for your costume today? Well, when I get done here, I'm getting ready to go out and take a ride with a couple of my characters. Uh, horseback, of course, must be. Uh, so I've got on my Stetson hat. I've got a green silk wild rag, a denim jacket and jeans, a braided horsehair belt with a with a copper concho buckle, uh, chink style chaps, cowboy boots, and copper inlaid spurs. Since copper's the dominant metal uh, on my world Carico, so yes. it's got to be copper. Well, I and I went with uh, a sci-fi cowboy theme as well, but very very different from Carico. So this is a uh, you know, pretty traditional spacesuit that I'm wearing, something you might see out of NASA today. And then I just covered it in rhinestones. So it's not at all like uh, what you would find on Carico. Carico, the Under Carico's Moon series, for the folks who have not read it yet, is not Western in the sense of, you know, uh, uh, Sergio Leone gunfighters, uh, you know, out in the streets, uh, uh, you know, shooting each other. It is actual people who are working ranchers only on a colony world. Uh, and so it, it's really, really cool in the way that it is kind of inverting some expectations about this is what a Western always seems like. And at the same time, it is, uh, you know, doing great work as a sci-fi. So I, I love that series and I'm excited, very excited for people to get to the third because uh, that it, it just keeps getting better and better. So, yeah, um, but I'm getting off topic. Uh, so uh, there's a show about procrastination. What has been distracting you in terms of pop culture this last week? Well, I've never been real good at pop culture, and I'm getting old enough where I don't even care about most of pop culture. But I got to tell you, streaming video is just marvelous to somebody that grew up with three TV channels, and most of those didn't come in very well. Mm -hmm. So especially YouTube, I can, oh, what a rabbit hole. I can always find something on YouTube. Um 
love archaeology and paleontology and, uh, of course, all that writing stuff that we're not going to talk about here. Um, uh, yes, just, that, I uh, mean, there, it, it is a wealth of resources, so sometimes too much. <laughs> sometimes too much. Um, uh, things like, I just the other day, I was watching something where they were talking about the sense senses you know, we think about we have five senses and and how we maybe have several more and um things like you know sharks and whales being able to navigate across thousands of miles of ocean and as they radio tag and they can see that these animals go straight line they know exactly where they're going ah. um and and that you've got some humans that have um you know a uh, Blind people that can use clickers to echolocate and tell what things are. Um, I was watching something on on language the other day, and and there are languages in the world where if you people don't orient to what's left of me, what's right of me, what's front, what's back, they orient to what's north, what's south, wow. what's east, what's west, and they know. You know, they always know exactly. Yeah. yeah, they always know exactly where yeah. those directions that, are. I, and, my my fiance and I have had lots of discussions about this because my internal compass is really good. Like I can say, okay, I know that is north, you know, and 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 she will point to something. She'll say, oh, you know, we're going to go down towards, uh, you know, this place and I'll have yeah. to say, that's the, I, like, you know, uh, but I've just got a really good internal compass. When we first uh when we first were getting ready to move here from Northern California, from very far Northern California, I must say, almost to the border. Um, it was December when we came house hunting and the valley was socked in. We were here for three days and never saw the mountains. And I got so turned around and when I looked at houses, went on Google Maps and looked at houses that we looked at where I was completely 180 degrees off. Yeah. But if I leave my truck, out in the middle of Nevada in the morning on horseback and make a big loop. I know where that truck sat. Yeah. I, you know, I know that right that direction right there is where the truck is at. And I wonder how much that's almost an unconscious, like when you step out of the truck, you're orienting yourself around things in nature and saying, okay, yeah. that thing is North. And yeah. therefore, you know, once you've got it in your head, this is, you know, mm -hmm. I, I find the only places where I will get genuinely lost and, and mixed around are interior spaces. And it's things like, you know, a casino in Las Vegas, where they very intentionally They're want you to get lost. That and there's way, not yeah. this natural, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, so, I'm always like, that mountain is north. Once I know that mountain is north, I know where yeah. I'm going. And the, the downside is when you get out on a very level piece of ground with where you have no landmarks yep. you're in the trees or something you can't see the landmarks um and that's the only kind of place where i've ever gotten so completely lost and turned around that i had no clue which direction i needed to yeah. go especially on you know and on a gray day when the sun's not giving you any clues yeah so. yeah that yeah there, and but i do think one think about how many of those clues we are taking in all the time you know yeah. without barely you know a, a conscious thought oh yeah the, i i remember dawn and therefore i know this direction you know and and so yeah yeah i, I, I recognize so many, where uh... the shadows were this morning and i see where the shadows <laughs> are you know in the afternoon yeah. and therefore i've got my 
uh, East and West figured out. So yeah, yeah so all kinds of fascinating things on YouTube. Yeah, and you can... and a lot that I try to avoid because yeah. uh, you have to <laughs> you have to think critically about what you're watching. Yeah, well, yeah, and that is one of the dangers of the algorithm is it, it takes you from something you're interested in and it says what will keep you engaged and learns yeah. you and then says the thing that's going to keep you engaged is something that is more outrageous than that. And the algorithm has no concern for whether it's accurate. Like that's just yeah. not a concern. So it's <laughs> let's take you to something more outrageous and you're going, oh, this is shocking and interesting. Well, yeah, maybe it's also inaccurate. And then it yeah. will inevitably lead you to something that is just wildly yeah. Um, well, my pop culture thing for this week, if folks have not seen it, and I know I'm, you know, this is not new information to most people, but the new movie Dungeons and Dragons is really fun. Highly recommend it. I went in with low expectations because previous Dungeons and Dragons adaptations have been really bad. Uh, and uh, this one is, they, they didn't, you know, fall into a bunch of the traps. They didn't feel like they had to explain everything to you. Uh, they just said, if you know this world already because you're a player, great. If you don't, we'll tell you enough that you can enjoy this story, but we're not going to you know, burden you with a lot of exposition. And then they just told a really fun story in this world. So if you've not, have you seen this one yet? Uh, no, I haven't. It is worth I your haven't. time. It is just a fun night at the movies. So uh, I, I've seen good on. reviews on it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well done. So what about in this week's news? What has gotten your attention? Oh, I, I'm really trying to avoid news these days, although there are some itches that I seem to just scratch. Um, but and I I don't use something like Google. I don't use news accumulators. I go directly to uh, news websites that that I want to watch. And uh, interestingly, one of my favorites is Al Jazeera. Yeah, uh, they're they're U.S. They do very good news. Yeah. But um, I do get weekly dispatches from an online uh, magazine, Anthropocene magazine, oh. and they summarize uh, research on things like climate and and how to. They're looking for interesting and innovative ways of addressing uh, different problems. And um, of course, right now, climate is is a huge one. Um, but there's a lot of of new thoughts and and um, information on uh, on solar energy. I mean, there's a lot of push. Uh, I had someone say the other day, "Well, all they're you know in terms of politics, all they're pushing is the change to to electric vehicles. That seems to be the only thing anybody wants to yeah. do." And somebody's not looking deep enough. Right. Um, but on the electric vehicle front, of course, a couple of concerns. One of those being having enough electric power generated to support them right um and especially if and, in some cases we're getting it from dirty sources you know coal yeah, in order yeah. to power electric vehicles is not a solution and then um when you start looking at uh, solar in particular um solar arrays take up a huge amount of space and so there's a lot of interesting things out there now on things like putting solar panels over the top of agricultural fields. You have to have the appropriate crop that can grow with a, you know, a, a little less full than full sunlight. But with some careful design, not only do you, you have a little bit of shade for crops, the, you lose less evaporative water from evaporation. And if you are careful in the design and study this, I've discovered that if you put the panels at the right height, they stay cooler and they work more efficiently. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, this is a real issue. I was when I was in Greece, there were um, farms uh, in Italy. There were farms where they had done the math, and the farmers had said, "I make more money from electricity than I make from crops. What I'm now going to grow here in my fields is energy." Which yeah. is, you know, the, I mean, it, it's it's capitalism uh, doing what capitalism does. But the problem there is there there were things that were being produced that are no longer being produced, and that's a balance we will have to rediscover. Uh, you know, we yeah. can't say, well, no more food because we have electricity. Like we yeah. are going to have to figure out how to do that. So that's exciting, figuring out how one yeah. can benefit the other. And it sounds like it's it's symbiotic. They're both benefiting. You, you know, with some limitations, but. Then the other piece, uh, another piece of that is to use existing rooftops and you know existing structures. So you're not taking up additional land, but you're putting those solar panels on top of Walmart or Home Depot or yeah. you know all of those big. Um, you, you could do solar arrays over parking lots. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, every parking lot is just absorbing sun and that. Energy. Yeah, and and you cool the temperature of the area by doing that and now um i was just seeing last night um that they've actually developed uh the mats like you set your cell phone on top of to charge it they're developing mats that go on the ground under your your electric vehicle so you simply drive into the parking slot park over the mat and your vehicle charges That's while you're sitting there you know and if you <laughs> um, and you then don't have to uh, store that power from the solar array and then drain it down at night. Yeah, um, you know, so which is if a big we... issue. Although I was telling my students about this really great idea, and I'm not sure that it's actually been put in place yet, but it's in it's kind of in a theoretical stage. But uh, using solar arrays to, you know, you, you set up a bunch of solar arrays at an angle and create a, a laser, essentially, you know, you charge all this into this, this uh, you know, super concentrated beam of, of light and heat, and you blast it into a giant block of salt. And the salt is a, you know, wonderful uh, uh, nut conductor. It holds all this heat for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. with a hole that's drilled in the salt, you just run water through it at night it the the halt the salt is so hot at that point from all the day's energy it creates steam and you've created electricity and that way you can use the day's power yeah. at night at night you know throughout yeah. and so yeah figuring out ways to store the energy so that the solar power is not only available during the day is going to be another big challenge and in, in yeah and and that um that battery technology is getting better and better and uh and all of course all of these things have effects i mean you you You've got to have the materials to make those batteries with. So if you can find ways of. Uh, well, and that's what I thought was so interesting about this was it was just a giant block of salt. Like we don't yeah. have to go out and find, you know, high tech, uh, you know, uh, rare earth metals and, and put them together. You just get a giant block of salt and run water through it. Like, the, tech, <laughs> the you know, the actual materials are relatively simple. And even well, you, you, a lay person can understand how that functions, yeah. you know. You extract that salt in a desalinization process and pack it into a, a container and and then you have the potable water right right i mean yeah so it's solving another problem so you know yeah it, which this is i uh, hear i hear um people uh, especially well when you start talking about southern california well just you've got a lot of seawater desalinization is a very high energy yes, process exactly it's expensive and yeah. energy intensive yeah. so water is going to be the probably the crisis before and 
especially this winter aside, this winter is going to make everybody think we're not so bad off. But. Right, right. Well, and that's the way it's going to be is, oh, we've been fine for the last two years. And then we get a 10 year drought. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. uh, this. Yeah. Yeah. And in Southern California is where it's going to be kind of the tip of the spear on that, because you've got Baja, Arizona, Southern California, Nevada, all have rights to the same river. And, uh, you know, yeah. that has worked so far because there's been water in the river. And as soon as there isn't, that those states are going to be in you know legal conflicts yeah. that could turn into more than legal conflicts like it's going to be life or death struggles if they run out of that water there's a lot of people yeah that that colorado it. river is is in serious um seriously overly adjudicated yes. there has never been enough water in that river yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, I've been uh, concerned with a, a situation. One of the stories that's been getting my attention as a book publisher and a teacher of uh, you know, literature is what's going on in Missouri with uh, defunding their library system out of peak. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Yeah. So this I've is, seen a little bit about it. Um, yeah, they, you know, I, saw, so I thought I saw something today that they may have decided against doing that, i am hopeful but, i'm hopeful that it is embarrassing um, enough uh that you know and then there's enough backlash but that's the kind of thing where it, it you know it, it's part yeah. and parcel of a, a larger program to say let's get books away from people uh, you know at all costs even if it means we have to get rid of all the books and yeah that is, uh, that's yeah. that and, should be really concerning yeah. to us as writers and you know Instead of parents who are concerned about what their children might read, just not sending them to the library and leaving the library there for everybody else. Right. Yes. How can I, I, you know, I have decided I need to protect everyone from this book rather than my own <laughs> child from this book. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a um, scary step that's going on. And so it, I've been working, you know, locally and, and, you know, communicating with people at the state level and saying, how do we put in some protections that make it so that librarians get to make those decisions? Uh, I, I am yeah. concerned about... You know, if we shift the power to make those decisions away from, say, local school boards or local, you know, libraries to the state, that seems like a protection in a, you know, state. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then the state government flips and you've now handed all of that power <laughs> to the book banners. So how yeah, do you it's, sure that, that stays in the hands of library? You know, um, people who are committed to getting books. Yeah. To read I, I have a enough of, of an issue with Oregon. Uh, on the library issue, um, having come from states where the libraries were county systems. Mm -hmm. uh, and I live outside, I live in the county, I do not live in town. And therefore, if I want to access the local library, legitimately, I have to pay extra to it because my property taxes don't go to that right. library. Right. Um, but that's also... Uh, a discouragement to a lot of people that, who live outside of the boundaries of town. Yeah, it's a barrier, you know. In, instead of instead of having a countywide library system that taps everybody's property values. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, yeah, or a statewide system, you know, or like, a statewide. But hey, this you know, county be... seems to be uh, well, counties where the property taxes and the yeah. special district kinds of stuff are. Yeah generally you know, done so. yeah that's our yeah our, our library system certainly needs work and also i feel like it is under threat and that that is worrying yeah me. yeah you know and i'm one of my kind of larger worries is we have a tendency here in oregon to say oh aren't isn't it good that we're not dealing with this thing that's happening in missouri isn't it great that we're not dealing with this thing happening in florida and i'm watching it saying it's coming this way you know we just had some yeah. books that were banned in canby uh, you know, we've got what's going uh, on with yeah. the Newburgh school board. And it's like, this is this is coming here. We don't we can't, you know, rest on our laurels and say, 
This yeah. will never happen here in Oregon. This will happen in Oregon I, if we're not careful. I grew up in Idaho yeah. when Idaho was a very much different place than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, being prepared, I think, can be wise. <laughs> yeah. This is why I, I tried not to look at a lot of news very often because it stresses me out badly. Yeah, yeah, and I you know, and I I share that I I you know feel like I will get stressed if I can't find some outlet, some way to do something about it. But when it's a story like that, and I can say I need to message my legislator, I need to you know communicate yeah. with a librarian about how we write some policy because I agree, if it's just consuming it and stressing ourselves, we're not doing anyone any good. Yeah, how I, can I get engaged? You know, I uh, somebody I worked for at one point had a had a saying, and he he sat this set everybody down in a staff meeting one day when there was all kinds of griping going on in the department and sat everybody down and said, okay, look, if you're talking to somebody who can do something about it, you're complaining. If you're talking to anybody else, you're whining, quit whining. Yeah. 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 I mean, right. I, you know, I would much rather be engaged in saying, let's, let's make a change. Even if that is complaining, I'm willing to complain, but yeah, I'm not going to exert. And also just, you know, my own mental energy. There are things that are beyond my power. Although it does worry me when it comes to things like, uh, you know, global climate change, where it feels so big for everyone, you know, uh, we say, oh, but let, you know, there's nothing I get, you know, I'm like, I've got solar panels on my house. Well, is you know, there's, there's got to be larger systemic changes than individual action on that and so uh, that that is and i do think we as sci-fi authors have a role in that I'm, I'm working on a solar punk piece there's a local community group this is very cool where they have put out an all call for authors locally to write stories set locally that are mm-hmm. solar punk so that people in our own community are starting to think about what might the the local you know this community feel like in a in a solar punk future which i i think is a a, a really brilliant way of helping people here not think oh this is someone else's problem like yeah. our own community will have to change so i'm i'm yeah. working on that story the challenge with solar punk is and you'll be able to relate to this is you're you're creating a setting which is a utopia which means there's no conflict. <laughs> like, what if we actually solved all of the problems? So then you've got to create another conflict that is personal within yeah. this setting, you know? And so that's, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling with the story because I'm going, they've solved the biggest problem. They're living, they're, they've learned to live in, in harmony with nature. And now the problem is interpersonal, you know? And okay, but yeah. I'm getting into process. I shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And, and <laughs> yeah, and I'm about, I was about ready to jump into some explanation of book four because it kind right. of gets gently into some of that stuff. Yes. But, uh, um, so hobby horse, when you're not writing, what have you been working on lately? Well, in relation to the news and stuff, I, I do try to do some mindfulness exercise, but I'm terrible at meditation. I <laughs> cannot make my brain not wander all over. I, I, a mindfulness class I took, they talked about it being like a puppy, you know, that runs off and you have to pull it back and sit it back down. Um, so what I do is I, I'm not a great artist and I'm having a hard time getting over the idea that everything has to look photorealistic. Mm-hmm. So I do 30 minute sketches, pen and colored pencil, uh, generally from a photograph. Um, I've been working through uh, a lot of animals, um, uh, Joel Sartori's um, photo arc from National Geographic, which is just the animal against a black or a white background. Yeah. And and I'll sit down and and, and give myself no more than 30 minutes to try to, to 
do that and the focus on the line and the focus on on the colors getting because I'm using just a set of 12 colored pencils so getting the colors um that really helps me focus on that that's a great right. practice yeah and I think you're right, right now of course it's realism is is yeah. really I mean it's almost it's almost difficult for us I have to say to students when we're you know reading yeah. literature like you know realism is a relatively modern phenomenon like you know pre you know Ibsen and Chekhov people were fine with their stories not being realistic they recognize this is a story and I think the same is true of our art like yeah free photography people went this doesn't have to look like the thing this is a piece of artwork but that's now a challenge for us to kind of yeah. get beyond that and say this can be a little more impressionistic. There's no shame in that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Although prior to photography, too, the only realistic depiction you got of a lot of things were art. Um, right, right. The the scientific drawings, you know. For... Well, and and travel. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine um, did a, put out a book from Cairo to Beirut. And what he did is he followed the tracks of, of a Scottish artist who traveled that route in 1839, somewhere in that neighborhood. And he tried to go to the same spots and do, and the, the original guy, um, I can't think of his name now, did very, very realistic uh, watercolor kinds of, mm. of paintings. And Sunil does uh, urban sketching, so they're very loose and, you know, yeah. but it's just amazing how many of the locations he could find yeah. that he could, that where the buildings in the, in the cities are still so much the same. Yeah. But that was, you know, those, uh, that original artwork was some of the original introduction that Europe got to right. the, that part of the world. Yeah. So there was some, a lot of very realistic. Yeah. 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 And the scientific, the the botanicals and stuff i'm just yeah. in awe of the people yeah that oh it's do amazing that. yeah yeah but, but but for for a mindfulness practice to be able to say i'm not going to stress if this isn't exactly photorealistic i am going to focus on did i get this color right or did i get this line yeah. right rather than did i get the entire composition to be exactly <laughs> like this image i think that yeah letting it, it is part of that it is nice when they come out where I can tell what they are supposed right, to be. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've mentioned on the show before, one of the things that I've gotten into is bonsai because it's never done. Like because yeah. the bonsai is not complete, that's actually good for me to let go of that impulse to say, yeah. I'm going to take on this project and it must be complete today. Like, yes. nope, I'm going to trim this bonsai a little. And then if I, if I overdo it, I'm actually doing harm. I'm just done for the day, you know, and that's, that is a challenge in, you know, our, our kind of Western European mindset that says, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. everything must be, you know, this is a project and knock it out and check it off the box and you're, the bonsai is never going to be done. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, well, I hate to call it weed control. I don't tend to call many things weeds, but vegetation management at my house. It's like, as long as I can keep a big enough stretch in the garden bed open to put the plant in that I want, then that's fine. And my yeah. flower bed out along the front of the front yard, uh, if I take the weed trimmer to it and cut the, the tall wild grass down low enough, then you can see the flowers coming up through yeah. it. And that's good enough. And the good Accepting good enough, like getting to the place where we can say, that's good yeah. enough is hard for us, but it's really valuable. Like, you know, yeah. I think that's, that's important for writers too. We have a hard yes. time saying this, you know, I'm, I lack the ability to make this sentence better. 
but I need to move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. And you've got a lot of land that you're working on taking care of out there. Yeah. We've got almost 18 acres and uh, about, well, most of that uh, was a lot of it was in hayfield, but it's not well suited to hay. So we're just letting it go to pasture. And, and uh, we have a neighbor up the road that raises grass fat beef. And so they, he brings these cows down nice. for a few weeks every summer. And and I keep enough to keep my two horses happy. And uh, My brother and sister-in-law are looking at purchasing a farm in Ohio. And one of the things my brother and I were talking about is uh, getting into bees uh, is, you know, that that's a it's it's capital intensive at the beginning but once you get that kind of pattern down and you've got your customers yeah. and that kind of thing and he's like the world needs bees <laughs> this is the a, world needs bees uh, i think we need to find better ways of more humane ways of managing bees right. because commercial bees are just kind of hauled around and treated like they were uh, nothing very important you yeah. know, individually and uh yeah. um I'm glad one of the things I'm happy with now is there's getting to be so much more emphasis on a small scale on uh, local uh, native um, non honey producing, but right. uh, pollinators that, uh, yeah. I, I need them for my garden. I'm looking at my, the trees I've got in my backyard and they are blooming like crazy. And I'm going, I need pollinators. I need my pollinators to show. I was. I wrote a poem about it this week, calling all bees. <laughs> I need bees. Yeah, our, our trees are not blooming yet. We mm. have, uh, I think it's 17 um, Asian pear, regular pear, apple. Yeah, that's uh, what I've got, they're pear not and Asian yet. pear. And the, the pear is not yet, but the Asian pear is uh, wild with white, these yeah. white flowers. Just it has exploded. And I'm like, that's great. And uh, I'm worried that it's too soon and there are no bees out here because it's too yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. And then we've got the whole question of, of trying to keep the blackberry and the English hawthorn from completely taking over the pasture. <laughs> yes, yes. Constant, constant effort there. Yeah, it's... I, I, I'm fighting that battle myself. I don't think that. Yeah, I'll... it's amazing how the, the blackberries will pop up in the middle of another bush where you thought you had them all gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And and then, you know, drop something and then come up from there. Like they are, they are yeah. involved to be successful. <laughs> yeah, certainly. <laughs> well, let's take our ad break. And when we come back from our ad break, uh, I'm going to ask you about what you've been daydreaming about. Ah. Uh... Available May 2nd from Karen Eisenbray, author of the Daughter of Magic trilogy and the Saint Rage duology, a new science fiction novel, Ego and Endurance. In this space exploration adventure modeled on Ernest Shackleton's disastrous Antarctic expedition, Ruby Ladd is commanding the first crewed mission to the asteroid belt, ready to redeem herself after a tragedy on Mars five years earlier. She never asked for a nosy filmmaker whose search for a story will only reopen old wounds. A trip to the asteroid belt is just what Hart Gunner needs for his next thrilling documentary. He suspects the heart of his story lies in the commander's past, but she's not talking. When disaster strikes, Ladd and Gunner must work together for the crew to survive. Johanna Hoyt, author of Believing is Seeing, says, A funny, tender, and eye-opening science fiction adventure Love story, workplace drama with vivid descriptions of the wonders, perils, and incongruities of outer space, as well as the spaces inside us. You can pre-order your copy now. 
Also available starting April 18th, Nancy Ballard's Tricky Ground, book three of the Under Caraco's Moon series. Lee Von Corey and Seth Riley discovered a community of non-human castaways whose existence threatens the future of the human settlement on the frontier planet Caraco. The leader of the Hidden Enclave frees Seth and Lee to go back to the human settlement with one task, deliver a message of peace to Caraco's leaders. Lee and Seth have miles of wilderness to cross on horseback, pursued by a contingent from the Enclave. And among their fellow humans, they don't know who to trust and who has their own plans for the planet. The future of Caraco is on the line. Miko Azul, author of the Demons of Moralia series, says, Navigating human and interspecies culture, politics, love, betrayal, and surviving the bleak landscape of Carico complicate Lee and Seth's nearly insurmountable task of saving their world from outsiders. And Karen Eisenbray, author of Ego and Endurance, says, A satisfying conclusion, full of thrills, twists, and lovably stubborn characters overcoming obstacles. Order your copy now. Welcome back, everybody. So I'm here with Nancy Ballard, uh, author of the Under Caraco's Moons trilogy. And Nan, what have you been daydreaming about lately? Well, this between the the time that we're recording this and the time that it'll be broadcast, um, if things had gone differently this spring, I would have been gone on a trip right now. I would have been on an eight-day canoe trip uh, through Labyrinth Canyon on the Green River in Utah on a writing retreat. Uh, so I'm I'm daydreaming about what I'm missing out down there. Yeah, I did that trip um, in October of 2020, which was an interesting. Just getting there and back was an interesting experience at that point. So how um, does it work as a writer's retreat? I mean, are you writing, you know, going down the river, you know, most of the day? Or are you stopping and writing along the way? Um, how does that work? A little bit of both. Um, and and the in this case, it's it's uh, the lead writer is uh, Craig Childs, who does a lot of um, natural history, environmental, uh, very interesting um, so, and very um I've heard him say he's not a poet, but he writes tremendous prose poetry. Everything mm -hmm. he writes is, yeah. um, and then his wife, uh, Deva, uh, is a uh, is a poet, um, ex poet laureate of San Juan County in Colorado. Anyway, and she's just you, you would love her. She, yeah. she's your sense of humor and hers are, you know. So what we would do is um, we, um, labyrinth is a very is very smooth water. It's probably a little rougher this time of year than it was in October when we were trying to avoid sandbars. But uh, you can you can just kind of pull all the canoes together and yeah. and have a conversation um, or lay over, you know, leave leave halfway through the day or lay over a full day someplace and hike back up into the canyons because Craig knows all the where to find the rock art and where to find all the, the interesting stuff. And uh, but it's it's just that sounds great. Piece of, incredible piece of country. And it's like you've got places where the, the sandstone walls, where the river comes, has swept against the sandstone and you've got an, an overhang there and you can pull in under that and just, you know, run your hand along that millions of year old sandstone and the uh, the desert varnish, the black marks that and red marks that come down from, from the water washing over the sandstone. Uh, and then the uh, a lot of some of well the the petroglyphs 
pictographs. I get them pictographs. Anyway, one of them is pecked into the rock and pecked into the, the desert varnish. So you see the stone behind it okay. so that it shows up. Um, and, and it's just, a, and then when I was there, the trip I did get to go on was the last week of October of 2020. Yeah. Which was a lovely week. Yeah. To be completely off grid. Yeah. Because down in that canyon, there is no cell service. Nothing. Yeah. Which Area sat phone for emergencies. Um, that late in the year, there were hardly any other people on the river. Uh, and, and it was just completely isolated and out of touch and enclosed in that protecting canyon. Yeah. Was, and we spent... Um, so the last night was Halloween night, and it was a blue moon. <laughs> that sounds like a dream. And, you know, and so weird. it's like, what would it have been like now in the spring with the higher water? Uh, it more towards new moon when you got the don't go to dark sky places on a full moon. It you lose the effect. You right. know? Um, so it would have been really interesting to go. Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. I, I'm, I'm thinking as you're describing it, like so. You know, I'll, I'll, I've gone kayaking on the Willamette, which is a very different experience than going on the Deschutes. And the Deschutes is yeah. so soft and slow, and you know, very relaxed. And that sounds like it's that kind of water. Like you're not worried that, about the rapids, you know. Yeah, that once nice. that stretch from like from the town of Green River down to the Colorado is is very flat water. Uh, yeah. Farther upstream is is wilder water, but yeah, it's but I, a really nice place just to float and yeah. soak it all in. And uh, and I'd never thought about you know that kind of flat water as writers retreat as you know a way. Yeah, to and, yeah, that's you cool. know to spend that time with a bunch of writers um that was really cool it was great and i it would have been really nice to yeah. have gone again yeah, well, you're making me think we should set it. something like that up on the deschutes the trick with the deschutes <laughs> is the mosquitoes like there it's uh, bad at certain it, i was there in oh, i think it might have been late july early august and it was i mean you could just see them like you know <laughs> It's like this yeah, layer I, of hair on my hands. Oh, that's not hair. That's just yeah. solid mosquitoes. You know, you're just getting bit up like crazy, even with that, everything on there. And yeah, that, it is not a great place to fish because you are just standing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, so I, I expect the, there may be more insects this time of year. The, the last week of October when it was getting down, um, I think it got to 17 one night. Oh, yeah on that trip you don't have to worry about mosquitoes. no the cold is taking care of you in that way it's you <laughs> yes. know, you're going i'm so cold and so glad it's so cold <laughs> because there are no yeah problems. yeah but uh yeah it's um it was just a really good way to get away from it all yeah that sounds wonderful oh yeah now now you've got me dreaming about how could i either get involved in one like that or we should put together a writer's retreat that's a rafting retreat i would love that yeah yeah um well, and the trick there is you simply find a, an outfitter that does those yeah. and put together a group so that you yeah. don't have to worry about all of the the details yeah. that they're expert at. Yeah, yeah. Let, you know, let somebody uh, else handle that part and then, you know, put together yeah. a group of writers and say, we would love to do this. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. So, uh, other announcements. What's going on? With, I know what's going on with you. Well, what is your big announcement? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, the big announcement is is the release of Tricky Ground. Um, which um, 
I am really happy to see out. I'm so glad that we were able to do the three of them uh, fairly closely together. Ooh, yeah. um, but also that gave me the chance to, to do that cleanup work and all those details between the three. So now that, you know, I'm a pretty good writer. I mean, I, I like when I can pick up a book and I just read Tricky Ground again uh, to refresh myself for, for where it had ended up. And when I can read a book that I've written myself and that's, you know, that I've read that many times and still enjoy it, I know yes. it has to be a, a good story. But figuring books. out how to promote it is is the thing mm -hmm. that I am not good at. Um, yeah, if only your publisher were good at that. Um, but well, if only my publisher didn't have five jobs. You <laughs> yeah, know? That's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, figuring out, you know, we've talked about this. How do you break through the noise? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, how do how do we get people to just hear about the? I I I feel like once people read it, they will realize this is such a fun series. And so, how do yeah. we get it into their hands? Yeah. And that's always been the challenge. But and, yeah, if, uh, if, if folks are hearing this. We've cut through the noise enough that you're hearing this. Please check <laughs> yeah. out the trilogy. It's and and I do, and I don't have the details yet on when it's going to air, but I am recording another podcast um, that should be out next week of uh, Eric Mertz. Oh, yeah. Paranormal, yes, I know Eric. He's uh, great. From, uh, he, he's, he and somebody else put their heads together and we're trying to figure out how to start doing more publicity. And so he's starting to do this series of podcasts. And so... We will be recording that Saturday, so that will be, yeah. be coming out. Um, and it's just, well, part of my problem is I have this pathological fear of 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 holding a party that nobody comes to. I mean, yes. it it makes my stomach knot. Yeah. And so figuring out how to to put together events, and yeah. I don't, you know, going to a book signing someplace or you know something like that, it doesn't bother me, but the idea of having to be the one that puts it together and is sitting there. And anyway, I was so telling I somebody on Twitter, uh, an author that I don't even know posted about how she had just had a signing and, you know, only two people came or something. And she sat there for three hours and only signed two books. And she was, you know, very sad. And I was like, yeah. no, this is a, this is a rite of passage for authors. We, yeah. we, we have those experiences where you, yeah. you know, sit there and yeah. sit there. Uh, but but it's, uh, it's funny that somehow Sitting at a, at a signing, I don't expect a lot because I don't have a huge fan base at this point. Um, I don't expect a lot of people. I expect the people that would show up to that bookstore, you know, right, to maybe right. stop. And, and so I don't expect a lot. But if I put on a party and I've invited people. And then they don't. Then I, and then nobody shows up. Yes. Yeah. So we have to find a high traffic bookstore anyway, and then have the people yeah. come to that. And, you know, yeah, that's, then that's the trick. Yeah. Well, or, or just wait and do it the first week in August. <laughs> right. right. Yes. I mean, I think, I think not a pipe ought to have a, a, a book party uh, aside from the yeah, but you know, nearby. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's our solution when, when there's people big, there. But uh, anyway, no, that's uh, not a bad so, idea, actually. Let's yeah, let's talk about it. Just <laughs> do a, uh, something. you know, yeah, do a, yeah. Um, so anyway, trying to figure out, um, and, and trying to, I've I've got, um, I finally started an online newsletter and I'm trying to grow the mailing list on that, and it's not very big right now. But, um, how can people get on your mailing list? 
Um, if they just go to my website, there's a link there. That's the easiest way to, Perfect. to find it. We will it. put there's... that in the show notes. So everybody yeah. who's listening to this, watching this, go click, get on that uh, mailing list. Yeah, because you can find out about it. And, and the the button there won't automatically subscribe to you. It will take you to the, the uh, welcome page that'll tell you more about the newsletter and give you the option there to subscribe. And of course, like all subs good subscriptions, you can unsubscribe at any time. Right, right. But I'm looking at once a month that I'm looking at doing um, the, the first couple are, are some uh, excerpts from the book and right. then, or um, the, the, there's a free offering if you subscribe. That's a short story. That's actually um, prequel to the book series. Just a little introduction to yeah. the characters. So doing that kind of thing and not burdening people with a whole bunch of stuff in their inbox all the time, um, and giving them something fun to read. So. Yeah. Well, and freebies. Folks should sign up. Freebies. Yeah. Yeah. So that's most of most of the newsletter will be a, a short, an original piece. Um, a lot of that may be exclusive. Some of those will be exclusive to the newsletter. Uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, and, yeah, folks, uh, I encourage you go sign up, get get that. Yeah. Know. So I'll be uh, trying to get that word out. Uh, and I think that takes a, an individual approach to a large degree of starting with people that actually know who you are. Right. And seeing if they will then ask a friend, like, you know, it's creating that momentum, you know, I let somebody know about this. Yeah. Sorry, so I'm, I'm, not, no, I don't no, have no. twitches. I just have a cat that's pestering me. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so get her, getting her claws caught. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. She was, she's getting her claws caught in the side of the chair and then yes. anyway, no more cat. <laughs> she's helping. No more cat stories. <laughs> um, so you have an idea about our weekly poll. What should be our weekly poll for this next week? Well, it's springtime. And like I said, I don't really like to call things weeds, but some people do. And one of the first things that shows up in our lawns and everywhere else, and their bright yellow faces are dandelions so are dandelions heroes or villains and i thought four choices one would be hero one would be villain one would be who cares and one would be uh, uh i don't think this will get very many votes but What's a dandelion? What's <laughs> a dandelion? Well, I won't post a picture with the poll because that would make that one completely you know, unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think most people, even in more urban areas, know what a dandelion is because they manage to establish themselves pretty much everywhere. Oh yeah, they're absolutely everywhere, but uh, they are beautiful. I mean, they are you know until they change form. So let's let's not let's not. Yeah, we won't buy it. Influence the poll. We'll let people decide what they Heroes, what they think, but uh, you know, I could see people going either way on that. So yeah, yeah, and so, sometimes it depends on where they're growing, which side of that you fall. Well, and and King uses them as a metaphor for uh, uh, Stephen King uses them as a metaphor for adverbs in your prose, and he says one or two in your garden are nice, <laughs> uh, but if you uh, don't deal with them, they will go nuts. I, I hadn't heard that, but that's good. Yes. So you know, that's, that's why you watch out. One or two are fine to decorate, but uh, not too many. So uh, what's on your to read pile? What are you looking well, for? Well, I've got, I, and like most of us, I've got a pretty, pretty big to be re to read, be oh, read pile, to be read pile. 
But the one I'm waiting for right now, I've just pre-ordered it and it will be out soon, is um, an anthology called Life Beyond Us. And it is put together by, of all things, the European Astrobiology Institute. Uh, and they, call, they put out a call for science fiction short stories um, that I believe had some kind of alien life in them. And they've selected 27 of those and they paired them up with astrobiologists who then wrote scientific essays relating to that short story. Uh, and Bizelkovich, who was on uh, this podcast earlier, actually has a story in it. She's so thrilled she couldn't believe she got in. Um, but um, I'm fascinated because with a biology background, my, I've got a natural resources uh, biology right. background. And so that look at at life and what life forms might look at and stuff just fascinates me. So I'm really waiting for that one to arrive. Plus, I love anthologies because I don't have to sit there and read the whole thing in one sitting or, yeah. you know, or even, you know, I can read two stories out of it today and I can go back in a week and read a couple of stories. Yeah, bite-sized. So, yeah, yeah, that one does sound just fantastic. I, when when Bizelkovich described it to me, I was like, that sounds really cool. But I didn't realize when it came out. So that comes out in a week. So yeah. uh, the, the release date is April 22nd. So... Yeah, that sounds yeah. really fantastic. I will be checking that out for sure. Uh, mine is uh, Corey Doctorow's Radicalized, uh, science fiction author, uh, uh, is, you know, uh, a series of short stories that are dystopic. Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, that's another, I think it's a series of short stories. Yes, four, it's four different large stories, novellas, essentially. Um, so uh, yeah. that are all dystopias. So that's one where I'm going, yep, I really should. I saw it and I was like, yeah, I need yeah. to check that one out. So I'll one, get around one more, to that. One more word on tricky ground. It's not dystopian. No. Perico is not a dystopian world. So if you're tired of dystopia. <laughs> yes, yes, it is not. No, and but it's also not utopian. Like the, it no. is a very real colony world with challenges but it's not this awful miserable awful place to try and scratch out a you know yeah it's, it's not someplace people are trying to get away from right i right, <laughs> wish yeah. they could yeah in fact they're potentially fighting over it <laughs> how can we get to you know i don't want to give anything away people should yeah be really good yeah um, avoiding fighting oh no I'm, I'm doing it again uh so uh where, how can folks find you uh online and get more information about you and the and the books well, my website is a good spot, um, which is, uh, uh, well, you'll put the, the link. Yeah, I'll put in the link the in here, Nancy so Ballard, that, uh, uh, writer at blogspot or .blogspot.com. I'll, I'll certainly yeah, put that in, um, the, in the show notes. And you can go there to find out more information on the books. You can go there to sign up for the newsletter. Um, I had used it as a blog for a while, but I'm not really doing that anymore because I'll move that material into the newsletter. Yeah. Um, Nan C. Ballard, uh, author page on Facebook. Uh, I'm probably on Facebook. I'm on Facebook once a day or so usually. I'm, I'm not a real big social media user. Um, at Nan C. Ballard on Instagram. And uh, there you can see some usually photographs of, of uh, my neighborhood and my neighbors. Uh, I, I took a couple today of, of a Tom Turkey 
Yeah, I Blocking like your that follow on Instagram. I encourage people to follow you on Instagram because it's just nature shots. Like it's you Very know, it's, yeah, I, I I like that. So yeah, he was he was right. I I only let the horses out on the green grass for a couple hours a day this time of year in particular, and he was strutting his stuff right in the middle of where they were going to come running through in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then uh, Nancy Ballard again on, on Goodreads, and I don't have as much there as I should, but one of my goals for the coming months is to start posting more reviews of, of uh, other people's works because I have so much access to so much really good material. It's one of the, the pluses or minuses of being a writer is is you, you know other writers and there's right. always stuff. You don't ever have to go looking for something. Well, and I encourage you to, you know, because people are on different platforms and, and content is king, you know, if you write something for Goodreads, also put that on Facebook, Facebook, also, yeah. put that, you know, so that you're, you're on these because otherwise, yeah, if you have to create yeah. individual content for both, it's, uh, it's exhausting. Yeah. A lot. I'm, I'm getting more and more to where I, I'll create like a text file for the content and then I'll yeah. drop it into, yep. but I'm still trying harder. to figure out how, how to share some things and how to get good links and, get yeah. links to come through properly and all of that but i'm trying well and some hey, of the sites are know, better for that i mean instagram is like no links like you know so different sites are better for that than others certainly. yeah i'm uh just an old dog learning new tricks what can it's, i say it's a lot well and the, the nice thing is we're all in the same boat <laughs> changing so fast that even the folks who are you know who, who right you know, 21 years old are saying i need to learn a new way to do this because it's not the way it was <laughs> when i was 18 like it is you know uh so, so yeah, uh, it, it, it is the, the the speed of the internet is an equalizer um, we forgot something ben what did we forget we the secret word oh no we'll come back to that at the end uh <laughs> yes um that's the, okay got yeah. it so uh, before we get to our send off, I need to thank some folks. Uh, thanks to the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro song. I prefer the dusk. Let Max know you like it by following him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three D's. And thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. If you're in a band and would like your song used on the show, I would love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song. So email that to me or email me about that. Uh, thanks to Doug, the producer, for making the show sound good and taking the blame when it doesn't. We always appreciate your work, Doug. Thank you very much. I, and I cannot forget to mention, Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com. Check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. If you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. Please check out Nan's book, Under Carico's Moons, uh, that trilogy. Uh, rate and review those two. Make her day. Even a short review and a single click on that fifth star makes a huge difference to authors. So if you have three minutes, go click that fifth star, explain why you liked it. That really makes a big difference. Um, I am too old to yell smash that like button uh, without sounding absolutely ridiculous. So instead, if you could gently tap the like button for this show, tap it an odd number of times, uh, I would really appreciate that. Tell folks if you've got, you know, tell a friend about the show. If you uh, know a reader who would like to get to know writers, uh, this is a great opportunity for that as well. So now for our send-off, Nan and I want you to remember three things this week. What's our first one? Oh, let me see. Words matter. Choose yours carefully. Completely agree. Uh, second, 
In life, as in writing, it's the spaces between the words that make it all meaningful. So don't ignore the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you. My time.